hi from sunny London, or at least it was sunny when I went into the building. I've heard it's raining now, but it has been a three-month heat wave and enough to scare off any guests, at least this month. Um, and I'm actually wearing my shorts in the office and the air conditioning isn't coping. All of the grass has gone a sort of browny yellow and everyone else is headed down on the few working trains to Brighton to take pictures like Martin Parr. So thanks for joining us. Um, I'm Adam, uh, this is Tanya. Hello everyone. There you go, <laughs> audio friendly this time. Um, uh, I'm going to follow the usual format, skim through a few items of photo news, trying hard to avoid the tech stuff. Um, and then I'm going to be the interviewee this time. I'm yeah, so I'm, I'm taking over as interviewer, which is, which is quite nice. Talk a bit about your book, which is very exciting. I, I'm excited. Um, and, and not just because of the royalty checks. In fact, not at all because of the royalty checks. I'm going to cut that. <laughs> I think you should keep that in. Um, <laughs> well, the world's checks are very dependent on you, dear listeners, rushing immediately to the stores. So. Hint, hint. <laughs> yeah, thank you. So, never afraid of saying absolutely the wrong thing. Um, one of the pieces of attention, uh, news that really caught my attention this week is the Vogue photographer Jürgen Teller, who's been accused of cultural appropriation. Um, now, I'm looking closely at the pictures on the site and the news stories which are very much doing the doing the discussion pieces in early August um, seem to be from an issue of Vogue from is that is that Jan? Janvier, that's January. Any uh, French A level would come in useful one day. It's taken this long. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> For yeah, um, January edition of Vogue. Congratulations on getting to the A-level, though. I think yeah. gave up after the GCSE. I think it was the number of French exchanges I had to go on. Oh, I just did one. So, um, uh, Jürgen Teller's uh, photographs have been... It has been suggested by a number of critics um, look quite a lot like the art of Micheline Thomas, um, who is an artist of colour, who has a certain style, um, and some have called it cultural appropriation. Some have pointed out that actually the style is so similar it could just be straight out plagiarism. Um, and the real question I think is what is all right for photographers? And the uh, implication uh, of cultural appropriation is that it's not acceptable for a dominant culture to use something that belongs to uh, what's the alternative? Minority. Minority, right. Um, although where exactly, I mean, is it a 51% thing? Um, or, you know, where do you, where do you say the minority starts? Yeah, it's a difficult one, really. I mean, I'm looking at the picture and to me, I, I wouldn't even make that association. I, you know, I just look at the picture and think it's a great picture. And also, Rihanna does look like she's just come out of the shower with a towel on her head. So I don't look <laughs> at that and think, oh, he's exploited a culture. But it is, you it's know... It's a very stylish towel, though. This is very... It is a very stylish towel. But I think, you're right, where do you draw the line? Because art is meant to be subjective and art is meant to be the way you want to depict things. And 
should there really be any rules around that? Because if there are, then suddenly it doesn't become art. It becomes... Uh, well, yeah, then it becomes a collection of different cultural expressions and you have to go to a museum of this and the museum of that. And, but maybe some people are saying that's the right thing or should be the right thing. Yeah, um, I, for, for me, I think it would take away creativity if people were bound by certain rules or, or felt conscious... Um, I mean, plagiarism, that's obviously a different scenario. Isn't it? I mean, now, plagiarism, if you... Um, obviously, the reason we talk about uh, photographs is so you can go and look at the photographs, um, and this is definitely one worth um, looking at, not just Jürgen Teller's uh, Vogue cover, um, but also Micheline Thomas's art, because you will see that there is a lot of similarity. I mean, I think um, plagiarism in their art is not something that comes up a lot in US courts, um, and that's where uh, that's where these debates tend to happen mostly online. But you know that similarity, I can actually see people being you know legitimately quite upset about. Cultural appropriation feels like a very difficult area for photographers because what if you're? I mean, what does a photojournalist do? How does a street photographer deal with it if they're not mm. at home? Yes, yeah, I think it just goes back to as a as an artist. You know your eye, what you're seeing. You know your idea, your vision. And even if it's controversial, if that's your vision, and you want to depict something in a certain way, you should have the ability to do that. But if you're doing it by plagiarizing someone else's work, then it becomes more of a credibility thing. You know, are you just stealing someone else's ideas, or is it your original idea? So I think it's, there's a fine line. But I guess in this case, you do have to question whether Jürgen really did steal someone else's idea or it was just, I mean, it's a nice picture. You know, Rihanna looks, I think she looks great on the cover. Um, I've noticed she's got some header on her hand as well, so. I was gonna say that, like, now if we're talking about cultural appropriation, is that not an area for discussion as Yeah, well? but you know, it's, it's, a, it's a kind of mishmash then, isn't it really? Because you've got henna on her hand, which isn't a kind of South Asian um, cultural thing. And then you've got the rest of it, it doesn't quite go. So it's, I don't know, it's a tough one. But I, I, I don't think it's controversial, personally. I don't, I mean, I think, I sometimes think that these things, um, while rooted in very, you know, sensible or at least well-meaning things can sometimes create a lot of people who get very angry where the actual subjects of the alleged appropriation might not bother too much about it. Agreed. It might be yeah. the least of their worries. Agreed. Um, agree. I wonder also if it changes it, um, uh, as it suggests in some places, um, that the Rihanna... Rihanna? Rihanna. Rihanna. <laughs> I'm not up with my celebrities, clearly. Am I? She's only uh, the, like most the biggest pop star on the planet right now. But it's fine, it's fine. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> not, not judging you. <laughs> I'm an old man. Blur and Oasis, that's what I remember. <laughs> um, Two very good bands. Anyway, uh, sorry, what I was going to say. Um, di she uh, directed the shoots to some extent, apparently. Right, okay. Now, obviously, when the celebrity in question is directing the shoot, that's the, ne you know, the next question is, how much do they really know or whatever? But that probably implies selective props, clothes, that mm. kind of thing. Or was it at least involved in that discussion? You know, it's the kind of thing, right, you could go on and on about this because, you know, fancy dress parties, you know, you'll dress up as whatever, and then you've got to say, well, are you exploiting another culture when you do that? Uh, yeah. it's not your own culture? <laughs> I think, well, 
if you're oh, wow. exploiting nurses or um, whatever yeah, group exactly, you're Exactly, you know, Halloween costumes. Um, yeah, so again, where do you draw the line? I do find a good Halloween very entertaining for um, for those who get to go to a PDN photo class. Um, always, always worth visiting on Halloween year. It's uh, New York in Halloween, uh, and often it's the same time as the major U.S. trade show. Right. So you've got uh, all of the insanity of um, you know everything you know about sitcoms, Americans, and Halloween. Mm. It's true. They really do. They love, love it. it. They absolutely print. love it. Um, so, um, seems like we've not solved the cultural appropriation issue. No, I think it's quite subjective, really, isn't it? I think everyone's going to have a different opinion. For me, you know, a nice picture is a nice picture. I don't think anything jumps out at me as, you know, being controversial there. But I can also see the other side, you know, and if it's if it's seen as plagiarism, then yeah, okay, fine. No, no, that, that's a, I think that's an aside, and I think yeah. that's something that people should be saying. Um, and then, of course, the argument is that these original artworks were uh, from a woman of colour and designed deliberately using um, strong female characters. Mm. Um, and if you're copying that, it's sort of unfair if you're not also, you know, you're not trying to back up. See, I'm already tongue-tied because this is not a comfortable area. <laughs> um, Let's move on. We'll move on to the next one. <laughs> Let's do that, yeah. Um, but anyway, if you do have any opinions on this, I think the best thing to do is to go somewhere online and vent them in the angriest possible terms. That's, that's how society's going to move on. any social media platform if yeah. you're choosing. Yeah. Um, so the, uh, the next thing I've... Uh, on, on a lighter note, um, Boggle Seeds Sunflower Farm in Ontario has been asked by local police to stop inviting people to their picturesque fields of sunflowers to take photos after the Instagram hashtag went, I suppose viral is the word we mm. still use for this sort of thing. Um, and they were able to charge people $7.50 a day. Well, not, not a day, I guess. Does it take a whole day to take it a picture It might of take a whole day, yeah. Um, 7,000 people showed up on a single Saturday in cars to a field in the middle of nowhere to take pictures of themselves for their Instagram accounts and they had nowhere to put 7,000 people and their cars I just think that's fantastic Amazing Do people or do more people go to certain beauty spots or do you think I mean, people identify less well-known places and sort of ruin them? You know I've never thought about this before No, weirdly I, I haven't like, I mean because most Famous beauty spots are already pretty well catered for, you know. Yeah, being... you know, you see the so if someone's in London, they'll, they'll obviously do the you know the standard kind of picture in front of Big Ben or you know coming out of a telephone box or whatever it is that they want to do, you know, in a taxi, a bus. But this is you know different because this is a random field in the middle of nowhere where seven thousand people have turned up, seven thousand cars have shown up on a single Saturday, and they're charging them as well. And, well, it, and it is, it, it's a sunflower field, right? Yeah, so that's yeah. what, I mean, it's, I think it's a nice sunflower field. The interesting thing here is surely um, that they created a website, charged $7.50, and pe that many people were prepared to spend money because they thought they'd get a few extra clicks. They're yeah. not, you know, it's not just to take a, a good picture, it's to get a picture that's going to be, yeah, it's going to work. For you know, it just feeds into the whole online social narcissism 
but it's just so common where people want that perfect picture for their Instagram or you know whatever whatever social media account to make themselves look quite frankly very cool um, and you know <laughs> it, it is what it is and I think we'll probably see more of this kind of stuff where you might have a really nice I don't know, farm or something like this guy's got yeah. Um, so yeah and, Google uh, Boggle Seeds B-O-G-L-E um, Ontario and you will see a lot of girls in dresses and sunflowers if, if that's what you like the look of so you would have made a lot of money that day yeah I'm going to say I mean I imagine like they're still doing alright aren't they that's that's the 50,000 could you give discounts sort of buy one day get another half price <laughs> could do all <laughs> kinds of things this is a brilliant, brilliant business idea yeah I mean probably a better idea than selling sunflowers better idea than writing a book yeah well don't, <laughs> don't get me started on that <laughs> uh, yeah well regrettably I also don't own massive fields full of sunflowers okay uh, let's have uh, one last news thing because freeze right so third story then so was, I, I think this is brilliant brilliant story so Marie Hild a photographer a 24 year old photographer and it, I think this is a slightly older news story, but it's just been brought to our attention, right? So it's brilliant. I've ne- I'd never seen this before either. So Marie Hild, so she went on Tinder or one of these dating apps, and she advertised that she was looking for models, essentially, to pose in an intimate way. That I guess that would be the date. So yeah, I mean, she's, she's looking for people to pose with her. And the idea is that she wants to create some kind of reality out of the whole online dating scenario which has become quite shallow I guess you know people just swiping going online um, meeting people you know moving on you know whatever it is and this is a way of her capturing something intimate out of the people that she's meeting making something meaningful from it so I don't know if it's creepy I don't know if it's weird I don't know if it's awesome it's, it's, a really interesting, it's a really interesting idea for an, an art photography project and, and you do not seem to get that many you know, in a world flooded with them. Um, the thing is, I can't quite put all the strings of the logic together because mm. she's saying or she wants to say something about the world of um, online meeting and online relationship and she implies it's a little bit shallow, lacks mm. depth and she wants to show that people can meet and have depth, I think. Um, then she explicitly says that she and her boyfriend, who have been together for four years, met on Tinder and still occasionally use the app. Now, what that means is that last, let's just have a, a look through. I guess. I mean, I'm pre that generation of. I, I would be you're quite not, upset. You're not missing much. I'm, yeah, well. <laughs> There are some contradictions in in her story, I guess. So she's saying that Tinder is shallow, but she's obviously met her partner through Tinder. They're both still using the app, and also her photographs. If we just I go guess back it's to the... probably funny to look through. Like if you uh, even, is... as a non-active user, I'm just guessing. Yeah, well, we we don't know what their intentions are. It doesn't really say, does it? But I mean, okay, go, looking at the photographs, they don't. You know, to me, I look at these and think. They're posed photographs. You know, she's yeah, and she's I directed these in a way to be posed, so they're not actually meaningful because they're not. They can't surely be genuine. I mean, she's got timestamps on these as well, so yeah. I, I think that's the, the real sort of signature feature, isn't it? Of mm. the um, is that not only do we see what looks like just 
could be any intimate. You know, here's just a couple lying together on a chair. They look like they've known each other for years. And in the corner it says 35 minutes, which is how long since they uh, actually met each other. Um, the first example, one of the first examples that uh, you'll typically find online, because that's how the internet works, is two entirely naked people in a shower with 10 minutes written in the corner. Um and the thing ten, so in 10 minutes you would have had to have said this is the idea I've got we're going to be naked in the shower together let's get on with it Do you set mind? up the camera get your kit off exactly 10 minutes later they've got this picture uh, look I she's got three models out of it they're, they're nice pictures yeah. I mean they're emotive some of them um, I'm not quite sure about the story and her purpose in doing it but I think it is. I think it is a nice project. Yeah, so is it, they, I mean, the pictures look really interesting. Mm. Um, the story is interesting. She's got thirteen superficial relationships and one wholehearted one at the end of it. Um, and I mean, well, so her boyfriend was one of the people that she photographed. Because that would be a good story then. It doesn't. <laughs> it'd be quite interesting if, as an exhibition, if uh, I'm not telling you which one is my boyfriend. <laughs> Can you pick? Can you decide which is the genuine one? Yeah, I think it, I think it's, it's it's a good idea. Anyway, it's something that you can check out um, on Instagram and Facebook, and I will do my level best to put the link in the show notes. Or you can just Google Marie Hild, H Y L D. That is. So books. So here we have the complete guide to drones, which. Uh, which looks great. So this is the second so, edition, right? Why, yeah. why don't you introduce this? Tell us, tell us what this book's about. Obviously, drones, um, but it is the second edition. So how does it differ from the first? And um, how did it all come about? Um, well, I suppose it's fair to say that um, I, I owe a bit of this um, to my uh, my colleagues, especially a chap called Rowley. So I work in publishing, and I was becoming a bit of a drone nerd on the side. And it was honestly him, rather than me, professional publisher, who put together the idea that this relatively unknown, niche, nerdy area um, had, you know, some potential to be a book. They're geeky, but they're they're becoming more and more commercial. I mean, you kind of associate geekiness with things that aren't mainstream. You know, it's kind of a very niche sort of area. You know, only a few people might be into it. You know, you might have groups of people that come together and talk about them, whatever. But actually, it's becoming quite. And I mean, you've done done really well with the first edition, right? Yeah. So, yeah. so you know, point is, I was too stupid to join those dots. He nudged me in the right direction. So it's not geeky um, at all. Then it's actually. Can you be geeky and commercial? Yeah. Why not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why not? I think yeah. it's it's trendy now, isn't it? It is. It is very trendy. Geek it's a chic. Um, not not that this is uh, in that direction. This the point of this book is a lot of people, especially coming from a photography side. Um, we're seeing drones which were sort of very unevenly covered by the news or they might show up in a in a toy store or they might show up as something you can build from parts ordered from different bits of China and carefully assembled at home um, and I, you know a lot of people were doing this building these monster rigs that they could lift their SLRs into mm. the sky and then pray that the camera would go off or that the thing wouldn't fall out of it um, and now as we know um, a real industry has emerged 
Um, and right at the part, point that that was starting, that's when the, my first book came out. Um, and it's only been about three years. Um, and it's sold really nicely. Um, and it's been translated into a few other languages. Um, but in that time, things have changed a bit. And now drones are two different worlds. Really. Well, and the military, but we might talk too much about that. That's not my area. I don't know how to uh, bomb anyone or spy on them from I'm a long glad time. you don't know that. <laughs> As are my many enemies. So what, what are the two areas then? You know, what have you focused on in here? Because I see... You know, you're right. I, mean, I, I look at the book and I think there is so much about drones that I don't know. Um, I, I've used drones before. I think they're a lot of fun. But that's how I see it. You know, they're fun. You know, fly them in the sky. You know, I, I wouldn't know anything about the different accessories, the different types of drones. But looking through here, there's a hell of a lot. You know, a lot of... You know, you're right. I think it, it does get quite geeky. And um, Yeah, so my idea really, um, or the aim here, was to sort it out so you could know enough to make an informed purchase or decision, find out a bit more if you really want to, get into the geeky stuff, or, you know, just read it and dismiss it. And if you want to get into photography, it'll let you, and especially videography, because video from drones just looks amazing, it'll tell you enough, but not too much. Um, there are some very geeky things out there, and there are some horrific websites that, are difficult to follow and the idea here is to be organised rather than to be as mm. deep as you can possibly get into it's, it looks like a one stop shop for everything yeah. that you need about drones tell me about racing drones okay, I find so, it so, yeah, so that's the one of the two things um, I tend to think that there are those that are photographic which are the ones you tend to find in the shops it's also fair to say there are the, sort of the toy ones you see in the men kind and other stores like that um, real shop believe it. Oh, uh, I've heard of it, yeah. Yeah, it's where Christmas presents for people like me come from. <laughs> um, and then there is this amazing community of people who, but they almost certainly, sorry, almost invariably build their own carbon-framed drones. They're very small, like 20 centimetre sort of size. Strap on a battery, strap some glasses onto their eyes, which um, essentially... A screen, usually surprisingly small screen inside, but um, they look like they're wearing VR goggles, but they're actually remote viewer TV for the camera on the front of the drone. And that's a first-person view, they call it. So they're seeing as if they are the aircraft. Um, the camera on the front is actually all tilted up at um, quite. It, if the drone is levelled flat, the camera is looking up at sort of 45 degrees. But as soon as they're in the air, these guys want to fly fast. So um, to propel itself forward, the drone will lean itself forward. Um, and then a lot of the air coming from the propellers pushes back and pushes the thing forward. Gravity does, does the rest of the job. Um, and in either case, the actual sort of stability of the drone is controlled by very minute adjustments between each propeller's speed by the computer and the direction of um, that's the that's on the racer and these guys are amazing they, they just they move their little sticks in a way that you, you don't have to worry about as a photographer but um, so is this a, a recognised sport then? well 
Because I mean, it um, is the amount of skill that goes into something like this. Absolutely. Um, do you think of Formula One as a recognisable? Yeah, the skill that goes into that. But then is chess. Well, yeah, that, a sport? I mean, is poker a sport? I don't know. I mean, you get into. Yeah, I can be yeah, difficult about these things. Um, there are there is at least one TV show in the league called uh, DRL. Um, the so drone racing league, yeah. Um, and I don't, I've met other people trying to set them up. So, that, that, I mean, if if you say there is an association, or there are several different associations. Have you been to one? I, I, yeah, I mean, uh, some of the photos in the book were taken at one. I, I'm, uh, I am not competent enough, competent enough to race. Um, what speeds they they reach? Oh, they can do uh, whatever I say. I'm going to be wrong, um, but I mean, eighty at least. Incredible. So yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot that would go into something like this. What what's your favourite kind of drone photography? I mean, they'll. Uh, I know well, you're right that... in that it's photography. I'm less of a, a FPV fan. I know people um, who are, and I worked especially with a guy called Jack, who um, heavily praised in the Inorganics page um, uh, to work on the FPV stuff in here. Mm. Um, and a big shout out to the guys of the Let's Drone Out podcast, which is an excellent opportunity to hear all about FPV and some words you shouldn't hear. Yeah, sorry. So, I mean, what would you advise someone looking to start out in drone photography? I mean, I'm assuming there'll be a lot of people out there that like the idea of drone photography. You know, they're not they're not cheap, though, are they? These drones. No, Some of the budget are. is the first thing to think yeah. about, really. Um, or, or what you want to achieve. So, if you are trying to show your exploits on Instagram or something like that, you have to be honest with yourself and, and accept that you don't actually need super high image resolution that kind of thing what you really want is something that's relatively easy to use and as compact as possible and the next thing you want to look for is how long it'll stay in the air really because mm. um, that tends not to be that long like 12 minutes 15 minutes right. that sort of thing um, range is quite an important feature in what what sense what do you mean by range uh so people love their aviation terminology, obviously. So you also have to learn what pitch and yaw mean. Range is uh, how far you, it can go from you. So some of the very or very cheap drones will let you control them just with your phone using your Wi-Fi. Mm-hmm. Now Wi-Fi is only really good for 50 meters. That's say 100, um, which is more than good enough for going around you, getting a few pictures of you, and, um, or you know, it following you up the beach on your dirt bike if you're um, that way inclined um, and say a drone like the DJI Spark which is the one that you can buy with the bear pattern, is, is also able to track an object it's smart enough to look and say oh that's the human I should be following um, sophisticated yeah no I mean the, the, the ones from the leading manufacturers are impressive in that sense then the next sort of step up is towards a 4K camera, mm. which is stabilised. For video um, purposes? Yeah. Well, even the DJI Spark has a stabilised camera. It's tough. I, I try not to think about not having a stabilised camera. But you can You can buy a drone for a bit over £100, mm. um, which will have a 720 video, which will be a bit shaky. Um, 
but will still work quite nicely, um, you know, as just a few fun clips on your feed. Um, the Spark is perfectly adequate, but it will shoot at 1080p, which is um, old school high definition. And then 4K is obviously what people talk about these days. And a good 4K camera is, is fairly sumptuous. But the point is you're getting a good amount of detail. Um, what you really want to be looking for is a gimbal of some kind. Three axis better, two axis good. And what those do is they support they use mechanics to support the camera so it doesn't have to shake around or wobble or when the drone leans in one or another direction to compensate for the wind, the camera will still stay perfectly level. You wouldn't notice it in the video. And then for really good photography, you have to start moving towards big yeah, because uh, a bigger drone will. So is that when you can put an SLR into it as well? It's not necessary anymore. No. Um, some I'd be a bit nervous. I think of my SLR being flown in the sky. Well, this is a. Um, I mean, I have by no means the most expensive drones in the world, um, but I am conscious that my main camera, which is a Sony thing, not quite an SLR. Um, but the big camera on my biggest drone costs more. So right, the, okay. the camera itself is modular and it clips on the bottom. The drone itself is a DJI Inspire 2. Um, and it is a Micro Four Thirds camera. Mm. So you can put a zoom uh, lens on it. Zoom is a cool feature. That if, you, if you remember those, or you know those scenes in movies where you see a shot that sort of helicopter shot, single object, camera seems to be a long way away, so the background is moving quite fast. Mm. Say you've got um, a lamp, a light, lighthouse or something like that, it'll stay in the middle of the shot and it'll appear to be still, but because the helicopter is moving, yeah. Um, yeah. and that sort of thing works a lot better with a zoom lens. Right, right, right. Um, so I've been at a couple of weddings recently, and they were using drone cameras to capture all the guests sort of background have you have you been at a wedding where they've they've been using well, that it I, seems I've done it you've done it as well another person's wedding yeah my friend uh, Amy when she got married so she specifically asked you to bring the drone and no I'm trying to think if she asked or whether she just assumed I would <laughs> um, yeah the no, token no. photographer the person that just turns no, up with their drone just whip the drone out the bag yeah no it does I mean now I can you see now I can because you get perfectly good I mean, get really nice pictures from something that will not a lot bigger than the audio recorder we're using. Um, whereas, mm. yeah, um, my friend Amy, she got married two or three years ago. Um, she'd be cross with me if she ever listened to this. Um, but back then, the drone I used to get a camera, to get just a, a GoPro in the air, mm. was um, six rotors and about 600 millimeters across the diagonal. Mm. So, very stable, but not small. So, in terms of the... I'm curious about this, because for me, I'd want to fly a drone. I've seen the videos on YouTube, people flying drones um, in between buildings, up buildings, getting great shots of cities. That is not legal, is it? Mostly no. No, not not in the UK. Can't be sure which... I mean, in this country, we've just introduced rules which require you to register, although actually the mechanism for registering isn't quite there yet. Um, but generally the rules are you stay within line you have to to see the drone so line of sight so you can't have a building in the way Um, you also have to be at least 150 metres away from buildings and stuff 
Right, so um, that makes it impossible then to fly drones. You can get special permission and okay. you can get a licence and that's that tends to have those shots of drone done. Uh, well, in fact, that's a lot of them just taken <laughs> yeah. by people who have broken the rules, but that is being clamped down on much more successfully. Are there fines, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Can you get uh, arrested for flying? Yeah, uh, yeah, someone was arrested in Edinburgh recently for, I think... You know, it used to be you could just go, oh, look, you know, drone, this would like, oh, that's interesting, or whatever it is. But now, you know, the, that sort of phase of wonder is starting to disappear. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing is 500 metres is your limit. So almost all of them on the packet, if, if they're not uh, Wi-Fi and they're not 100 metre range, the next range seems to be like two kilometres or seven kilometres. Right. You know, none of that's ever going to be really useful for you because unless you can actually see the thing, that's the other side of the line of sight, which is illegally assumed to be 500 metres. Okay. That's your limit. But also, you've, you've obviously got the safety aspect of planes flying. You know, I've heard stories of drones interfering with yeah, aircraft, um, and obviously that's where it gets quite serious. Obviously, those are invariably hammed up a bit because people like to, it sounds a bit dramatic mm-hmm. or something. And the aviation industry didn't have to say for the first pilot who saw a drone then admitted it may have been a plastic bag. (laughs) There was a time where people would just shout drone, whatever. Um, But most of the modern drones, most of those that you might go out for to buy to photography, won't even let you take off near an airport. They know Mm. where they are and they use their GPS, which is part of the mechanism they use to stay stable in the air. They will also use it to to warn you where you shouldn't be flying. How do you mean... Um, well, so there's a database saying, you know, there is an airport here. There is so an the, the drone here. will actually. And the drone knows where the flight got path it, is. Got it, um, your ceiling as a drone pilot, the limit of your height is 120 meters, 400 feet. Anything above that belongs to helicopters now. This is common sense as well, right? You'd be a bit of a fool to go near flight. A lot of people complain about it, but there's no nothing that really upsets me that much. I always think to myself, well. I could do it, mm. uh, which of course you could if it all worked fine, but these are rules that are also there to stop people doing things that could have a risk. And if you really think you can do it, get your commercial licence, which is costs about £1,000 to get the training and get things signed off, and then for each individual flight where you want to do something beyond the standard rules, all you have to do is call the airfield. You know, it's not... Um, it's not rocket science, it's just phone mm. numbers. Have you taken it abroad with you? I have, yeah. Um, is that holidays, is it? Yeah, um, I mean I did, uh, I've even self-written reviews for a magazine called Drone Magazine and for a website called Camera Labs, um, you can, so you can see some pictures. Well, your locations are nicer. Um, yeah. The rules in, in most of Europe are the same. And I think um, they use, I mean they use drone photography in a lot of the wildlife shows as well, don't they now? Yeah. So to get the you know the awesome shots of the Amazon or whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, in the in the book, there's um, an interview with some photographers who do that sort of thing. Um, uh, yeah, I've met some people who do some really really cool gigs. So I mean, this this book encompasses everything about drones. I mean, it really is a one stop shop for anyone looking to you know find out about the basics. You know, if you're struggling with what kind of drone to buy, but also it goes into detail. You know, a lot of detail around. You know, how a drone is constructed as well. Is so, this designed to help you make one, or is it yeah, designed... Yeah, um, so one of the big uh, sort of additions for the second edition um, 
is that we've put a second building project. So we put one in before that was like how to build the cheapest possible drone if you wanted to um, out of just some bits of wood and comes out very nicely and was very nice until Jack flew it hard into something. See the photographs and these parts are parts you can get very cheaply. That's um, incredible. It's basically making the whole thing your was drone. maybe sixty quid. Amazing. Um, and then what we added for the new edition was um, a more traditional FPV build because these days fewer people are building experimental drones. It's a great fun project for an education or something like that. But those people who are doing it with purpose. The purpose is usually FPV um, racing or freestyle, as the other word, which is people who don't race but just whiz around between trees and have a lot of time, which is you know a great deal of fun. Where can we buy it? The book. Uh, yeah, where can anywhere you can it? buy books. Um, I'll put um, I'll put the title and ISBN in the show notes, um, and you can get it from Amazon or Waterstones, uh, BNN. Um, I know it's going to be available in Germany and German soon, um, and there are editions in various other languages. No, it's brilliant, excellent, and obviously Amazon as well. Yeah, yeah. Fantastic. So, a website. I know you're not big on social media, are you? Um, you haven't quite embraced it, but I, I would embrace it if it embraced me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's just an excuse. I'm the same, to be fair. So, uh, so my um, Instagram is at Juniper Ific, I F I C, um, which is I'm trying to put the words Juniper and Terrific together, uh, which terrific. is terrible. I think. Um, on Twitter, it's at Adam Juniper, um, and for all things drone related, at least, um, my website is www.tameskay.com, which was meant to be Tame Sky, but if you say it out loud, it seems to be. Tamsky or something uh, Russian sounding very Russian. reflection yeah, yeah. Uh, but you know once you've got it brilliant well I thank you I can't talk I can't talk <laughs> you can, can. Well, that's good that's great um, I certainly learnt a lot from that actually so thanks for that really appreciate it and yeah we look forward to the next um... okay so one of my next uh, project is, is I think it probably already shows up on Amazon so uh, if, you, if you if you search my name on Amazon you might see some other stuff as well drone related not all. No? No, no. Other geeky projects. Interesting. We'll have to have a podcast on one of those. Uh, definitely. Um, although we've uh, got some more photographic guests coming up uh, after the heat wave is over. Possibly. Possibly sooner, though, because I thought the heat wave might carry on until October. <laughs> that's what I've heard as well, but I don't know. Surely that's not possible. Well, you're here from us in September. Bye from me. And bye from me. Um, and that that would be that would be what she well oh shit. <laughs> yeah no so she's she's Are you saying cut that? I'll, I'll cut the. <laughs>